Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Let's roll, baby. It's a Friday edition of New York, New York. With yours truly, J.J. John Jastrzemski. A back-to-back and a belly-to-belly, as I quote my buddy John Sterling. 48 hours, two podcasts, a lot to digest, a lot to chew on. How great was Adam Shine yesterday? How great was C.J. Uzama yesterday? Top-notch across the board. And that was the perfect way to set the stage for what we have coming up in week 11 for the New York Jets. And you look at their next two weeks. It's Buffalo at Buffalo. It's Miami at home on Black Friday. If you are out there and you're a New York Jet fan and you're grasping at hope and you want to believe that this team can be alive and well for a division race going into December and that They can win these games and Rodgers can come back and all of these issues, all of these problems will just be solved. Simple snap of a finger. Well, in order for that to be the case, there's no beating around the bush. There's no getting around this simple fact. The Jets have to beat the Buffalo Bills and then they have to go and beat the Miami Dolphins. If you want to fantasize about winning a division this year, if you split, it's not good enough. Because then it's a numbers game. Then tiebreakers are working against you. The Jet conference record after losing to the Chargers and then losing to the Raiders is clearly working against them. And the fact that they haven't had a touchdown in three weeks, that's kind of working against them too. But that's what's in front of the Jets if they want to be in this thing in the AFC East to win it. I know that sounds far-fetched and crazy, but they have two games with Miami. If they were to go win those two games and beat Buffalo and have that sort of AFC East prowess and tiebreaker, it's there for you. Right now, it's not. And the topic of conversation all week, at least in these circles that I keep, 
it's kind of been, are the Jets getting the Bills at a good time or a bad time? As you know, unless you're living under a rock, the Bills lost a horrific Monday night game to the Denver Broncos. They fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. And look, I think the Bills offense has been sloppy. It has not been sharp. It's not the well-oiled machine it was two years ago under Brian Dable. But, I mean, their metrics are still pretty damn good. Uh, maybe I missed something here, but they had 12 men on the field for a game-winning field goal attempt that was missed by Will Lutz. You tell me if Lutz misses that kick and there's no penalty, Ken Dorsey is fired by the Buffalo Bills? I don't see it that way. I'd be stunned if that's the case. How about the fact that Buffalo's defense has gone down the tube since Matt Milano went down with an injury? I think this is the last gasp type of move by Sean McDermott. I think McDermott's basically telling you, hey, I got to change something because if not, they're going to change me. And if I were Buffalo, I think at the end of this year, I think it's time for a new head coach. But the story to me is Jets getting the Bills at a good time. Not a bad time. They're getting them at a good time. Because they are unraveling. Their quarterback turns the ball over left and right. Their lead running back can't hold on to the football. Their defense is vulnerable and weak in the secondary because their safeties are older. They're not what they once were. They don't have Tredavious White. They don't have Milano. All right, they got a good pass rush. That's a problem for the Jets this week. But when you add all of these things up, it's a good time to be playing the Buffalo Bills. But it's the same old story for the Jets. How did they get it going offensively? And this game, unfortunately to me, reminds me a lot of the Charger game from this standpoint. The Bills have their problems. They have their issues. They're still going to score 20 points in them. They, they might turn it over a few times. I know that the Jet defense played great against them each of the last two years. But you figure, okay, Buffalo, even if it's a, a B game for them, they're going to score 20 points, right? I, I think that's a fair, reasonable, conservative estimate. If they do, how are the Jets getting the 20 points? Does anybody have an answer to that question? How? That's the problem I have with the Jets this week. I think their defense will ball out. I think they'll play spirited. They always seem to play spirited. Are they going to clean up the penalties that absolutely sabotaged them against the Las Vegas Raiders a week ago? Not holding my breath. And I'm also not holding my breath that this team is going to go and score a ton of points. Because there's enough of a sample size here. It's the weekend before Thanksgiving. In many ways, you kind of are what you are offensively. The numbers do not lie. But this is put up a shut up time for the Jets. You win these two games, you're alive and well in the division. You split these two games. I think you would sign for that. Because then you're five and six, Atlanta and Houston at home. Then it's about maybe getting to 10 to be a wild card team, which still is going to be asking a lot, but it, it, it still gives you that pathway, in my opinion. The Jets go lose to the Bills and they lose to the Dolphins in the season. The season is going to be cooked because the Jets right now, what, four and five? So they would be four and seven if they go lose these next two games. And if they're four and seven, 
They're not running the table. They're not finishing 10 and 7. Aaron Rodgers and the pipe dream of him coming back goes by the wayside. Aaron's going to tell Pat McAfee, hey, I'll see you in 2024. That's what's in front of the Jets over the next few weeks. At Buffalo, Miami. Fascinating, fascinating game. From a Bills standpoint, from a Jets standpoint, like, I I know the Jets are woeful and and beyond anemic on offense, but I gotta admit, I find their games rather intriguing. Maybe that's the showman in me. Maybe that's the, the, the broadcaster in me. Every week, I sit there watching the Jets, and I am intrigued. And I will be very intrigued when we're sitting there with all of you watching a catch in a story, which I hope to see all of you at. Live show, you know the deal. Hanging for the 1 o'clock games, hanging for Jets Bills, and then we'll do our pod live from catch in Astoria. Train accessible, car accessible, great neighborhood. Hope to see all of you out there. We'll be rocking. We'll have a ton of fun. Uh, so there's a little shameless plug for what we have coming up on Sunday. So can the Jets? find a way to get this game and sweep the Buffalo Bills and have a whole lot of momentum going into Monday night or Friday, whatever the hell this stupid game is. Day after Thanksgiving. You know what I mean. As for the Giants, listen, there's not much to say. Lose the game. And I know professional players are not going to have this mindset. And I know Brian Dable and company are not going to have this mindset. Talked about it with Shine yesterday. The best thing that could happen in 2023 is Drake May or Caleb Williams falling in the lap and becoming the next quarterback of your team. Anything that's going to get in the way of that is a negative. So my feeling is that when I'm sitting there amongst Giant fans, and I know many Giant fans in my life, they are checked out. I already had a couple of SNY tell me I have no desire to watch the game. I'm watching Red Zone. I'm going to the bar. I'm watching the other games that are on. I I expect that to be the case. Like, we're not stupid. We, we understand how unwatchable a product the Giants have churned out week after week after week after week. And now it's, it's Tommy DeVito, a quarterback. His father is basically cursing out the play calls. I mean, it's classic Jersey. It's classic Tommy DeVito. The only thing that was missing was a loop from Staten Island. By the way, Al Michaels dropping that into the Thursday night broadcast. If you live on Staten Island, you know Lou. Trust me. I know plenty of Lou's. And I'm not a wolf, so I don't know what to tell you. But that's really the mentality going into this giant commander game on Sunday. That's the only level of intrigue I have. The Giants losing by 30, the Giants losing by 7, the Giants losing by 1 really doesn't make a difference to me. And I think there are going to be narratives that start to build. If the Giants really see this fall and bottom out of, oh, it's, it's so bad, somebody's got to pay the price, whether it's Dable, Shane. I'm seeing a bigger picture on this. It's a bad year. Both of them should be thrown to the fire in some way, but not when it comes to their jobs. Giants have had too much turmoil. Don't forget about what they did last year. And if you end up with one or two, at the end of the day, it's going to work out. You're just going to have to kind of bite the bullet and really have to deal with the unreasonable and disgusting fact that the next, what the Giants, two and eight, the next seven games, hide the women and children. Hide the women and children. That's how bad it's going to get. So, 
that's what we have going on with the Jets and the Giants going in this week. We waited after this Thursday night game because I was fascinated. I couldn't wait to watch the Ravens and the Bengals. And what a disaster for the Bengals tonight. They lose Burrow. Burrow gets hit on this touchdown throw to Mixon. He's clearly grabbing his hand. He says he felt the pop. He tried picking the ball up. It felt like me after breaking my wrist. Now, it's a totally different injury. I don't even know what the injury is at this point, 11.44 at night. But it was one of those where I remember breaking my wrist playing tackle football freshman year, college. And I was playing quarterback, fooling around. And all the guys are looking at me like, JJ, let's go. You're the quarterback. Get going. Get going. I tried to pick up the ball. I, could, I couldn't pick up the ball. Now, he said he felt the pop. I didn't feel a pop. I just broke my wrist. So we don't know what the severity is, but it puts Cincinnati in a position where they are just completely screwed without him. I mean, they're playing Browning, the Washington quarterback, and Stefan and I were talking about it before the show. This is another team that was very unprepared from a backup quarterback standpoint. Now, Browning looked a lot better than Zach Wilson has in most of these games. Uh, I got to give him that. And that's a brutal situation to be in. On the road, in Baltimore, against that hungry defense, in that environment, off a loss, not working with the first team. That, that, that spot is impossible for any inexperienced quarterback to jump into. But I think the bigger picture conversation is Cincinnati's team that I thought was capable of winning the Super Bowl. With their postseason pedigree, with Burrow, with his assassin-like demeanor, like, I think about it from my team's perspective, the Miami Dolphins. That's a team and a quarterback that I would have wanted no part of playing in the postseason. And I bet you Kansas City would say the same thing, and I bet you Baltimore and all these teams would say the same thing. Cincinnati could have easily won a Super Bowl. Now, we got to see the severity of this Burrow injury. Baltimore gets back on track, but the bigger storyline and the bigger picture topic that's going to come out of this one. What's the status of Joe Burrow for the remainder of this year? So one of the big primetime games is done. The other big one is going to be on Monday night with Philadelphia and Kansas City. I cannot wait to watch that game. Super Bowl rematch. Might be a part of old school, new school with Joe Beningo. That's coming up in a little bit. And before we get to voicemails, I want to commend Garrett Cole. He wins his first Cy Young as a New York Yankee. He does so unanimously. You kind of had a feeling watching Cole all year that it was this time. And it was a year that, let's be real, a whole lot of things went wrong from a New York Yankee perspective. In fact, everything outside of Garrett Cole went wrong from a Yankee perspective. But that was a guy you could count on every fifth day to go out and shove, to go out and dominate. And in this era of baseball, and this bothers me, from an old-school, old-soul baseball purist perspective. Now, I grew up with the likes of, and I know I'm going to sound like an old man, but I don't care, Pettit, Clemens, Wells. These guys going deep in the games, throwing all sorts of crazy pitches. Now, you know what the deal is. These guys barely go 90 pitches. They can't go through a lineup three times. It's a joke. To have a throwback pitcher like Garrett Cole leading the Yankees staff, it's so refreshing. It's so much fun to watch. And he has completely won me over. You know, I was down on him after that Red Sox start. He won me over last year 
in the postseason, in the biggest games for the Yankees in 2022. And I don't know how you argue the signing of Garrett Cole. And just think about what the talking point was after the 2019 season. Always oh, got to be the missing piece. Well, maybe as it turns out, he wasn't the missing piece. The Yankees were multiple gigantic puzzle pieces away from winning a championship. That it wasn't as simple as just slotting an ace and slotting one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher in all of baseball, onto their team from 2020 on. Yankees haven't played in a World Series. But to pin any of that on Garrett Cole, to me, is incredibly foolish, and it's misguided. So hats off on first Cy Young, and maybe it should be a message to the Yankees. You have the best pitcher in the sport, and you have what? Second best player? The third best player, depending on where you want to put Aaron Judge in those combos. Regardless, Aaron Judge is the top five player in baseball. He's top five. Maybe it's time to win. Maybe it's time to have a sense of urgency this offseason. So I know Brian Cashman's doing it. He's doing a great thing for charity, so I applaud him in Times Square. He's helping out. I, listen, had my issues with the Yankee GM. That's something he deserves a lot of credit and a lot of praise for. A lot of praise for. Um, Cash, Manuel Margot. I'm going to yank you out of Times Square and I'm going to take your place and, and I'm going to throw you to the street if your answer to the Yankee offseason is Manuel Margot. And to quote my buddy Licata, who just said it to me a moment ago on Sports Night, I'd rather our girl Michelle Margot in center field for the Yankees than Manuel Margot, okay? Come on. That cannot be the answer for the Yankees this offseason. It just can't be. So we'll have a lot of baseball coming up over the next few weeks. It's Yamamoto and Otani and, and all these guys figure out where they're going to play. Don't think we're going to be seeing Otani in New York City. I'd be stunned if he comes here. I just think he's staying on the West Coast when it's all said and done. So that's where we stand as far as the baseball. Uh, let's get the voicemails. A reminder, before we get the voicemails, come to catch. It's going to be rocking time. We'll be there all day. Football, food, drinks, hanging. We'll cash some tickets. We'll be hooting and hollering. Get there. You're going to enjoy it. So I hope to see all you on Sunday. All right, voicemails at 917-382-1151. Steph, let's go. Hey, JJ, it's Mike in Staten Island. I'm calling on Tuesday morning after I couldn't get in touch on, on uh, Monday about this Jets game. I can't take it anymore, JJ. I can't take this coach standing on the sideline with his folded hands. I can't take the same press conference every single week. Self-inflicted wounds. We're going to be better. Self-inflicted wounds. Can he do something? I can't take it anymore, JJ. I can't. Blame yourself. I'm not doing a good job. My team stinks. Another penalty. Another penalty. Another cold back touchdown. It's been 50 years, JJ. 50 years. And Robert Sala has no idea because he's only been here for 10 minutes of that 50 years. Take some accountability, coach. It's on you. I don't want to hear BS about you lost your quarterback. So what? Pull up your big girl panties and go to work and stop committing penalties. We deserve better as fans. JJ, Rand Culver, Mike, and Staten Island. Well, Mike, I love your passion. And I've really been trying to get to the bottom of who we can blame on these jet penalties because... It's clearly an issue. I talked about it with CJ Uzama yesterday when he joined the pod. 
Some of it pre-snap is a lack of focus. The holds, listen, sometimes they're going to call them, sometimes they're not. But when you're penalized as much as the Jets have been penalized, that to me is where, yeah, even if the coaching staff is stressing, hey, way too many penalties, way too many penalties. We got to be tighter. We got to be cleaner. We got to be better. The way I look at it is, well, it's a problem with your team. You lead the team. You got to get it straightened out. That might not be fair to Robert Sala, but I understand your anger. Because the Jets with competent quarterback play, competent, and a cleaner game, they have a couple more wins here. Now, the one thing I'd counter with this Jets season, they had any average quarterback to beat the Chargers on Monday night. They do. If they don't commit a zillion penalties, they beat the Raiders. They do. You want to tell me they were lucky to win the Bill game? They probably were. You want to tell me they were lucky to win the Eagle game? They probably were. And the Giant game, they were definitely lucky to win. So that stuff kind of evens itself out. But as far as moving forward, you're not winning games if this continues to be a case where the Jets have penalized 70, 80 times. And sure as hell not going to win games when you don't score touchdowns. I mean, that's that's football 101. You want to win games? Score touchdowns. Haven't scored since the Giant game. They have like three touchdowns in like six weeks in a modern-day NFL. I think Tommy DeVito has more touchdowns than Zach Wilson the last two or three games. I mean, uh, just think about that for a minute. Earth Shadow. Who's next? JJ, Mike in Arizona here. Got a giant thought and a Yankee thought. I'll start with the Yankees. Obviously, Cashman wasn't wrong when he said what he said about Stanton. Mike, when he insulted our intelligence the other day with the pretty effing good comments. But you can't say that as a major league GM. I think at this point, Hal's got to sit him down and tell him to stop talking because uh, this offseason is just too important for the Yankees. Um, as for the Giants, clearly benefited from their schedule last year and everything that could go wrong this year has. Um, but they do have to keep Dayball. Um, they can't keep doing the new coach every two years thing. I think even John Mara knows that at this point. Um, it's pretty obvious now that they do need the first-round pick or the first overall pick. Um, if they don't get it, ironically enough, it might be the Cardinals game from week two when they were down 20 that they came back in, and they'll be kicking ourselves over. Um, but obviously, Daniel Jones isn't it anymore. They've got to find themselves their franchise quarterback. Need the first round. They're the first overall pick to do that. Thanks, buddy. Okay. I wanted to get to these Stanton comments. That came out a couple of days ago from Yamamoto's agent. And what Brian Cashman said about John Carlos Stanton was a thousand percent accurate. Injuries are a major factor. And yeah, I think he and the Yankees and all of us basically assume that he is going to get hurt at some point in 2024. That's a pretty safe bet. Now, that might be accurate. That might be a fair portrayal. It wasn't something that needed to be said publicly. It's yet another one of these instances where the Yankees are dealing with a PR crisis and an optic crisis that was totally unnecessary. Right? Like, if I'm John Carlos Stanton, I hear that from Brad Cash behind closed doors. I'm angry. I'm motivated. Okay. Maybe it's going to light a fire under my ass. I hear publicly. It's like, screw you, dude. Especially, and say what you want about Stan bringing him in. It was the wrong move at the wrong time. 
he has not fit this team, but he's had moments of brilliance for the Yankees. You can't deny that. He's had big postseasons. And whether you agree with the Stanton move or you disagreed with it or you don't like his Yankee tenure, you can't argue the fact that he has been an honest, a fair, and stand-up guy throughout everything that's gone on in his Yankee tenure. He's not one of these guys that's running, that's running and hiding. He faces the music. He takes the criticism like a man. You, you got to respect that. So, to me, it was in poor taste from Cashman. I'm not worried about Yamamoto. Yamamoto is going to go with money. So, I, I, I don't look at it and say, oh, the Yankees can't get Yamamoto now because of these comments. I look at it where other guys around the league are like, do we really want to be dealing with Cashman? Or do we really want to be dealing with the environment that the Yankees have going on at this particular time? That's where the optic is really going to hurt. Let's take one more. Hey, what's up, JJ? It's uh, Pete in Westchester here again, man. I uh, hope you're uh, doing well. Um, you know, I've been stewing about this for a few days now. Actually, I called, uh, must, you know, must have been a little too late um, in the day, but I called uh, a couple days ago about the Yankees and, and just responding, reacting to Cashman and Hal's comments. Um, and uh, I think, though, I've been, I've been thinking about this for a while, and I think I know the solution of what we need to do here to fix the Yankees. All we need to do is simply unplug the Yankees and plug them back in. We just need to hard reset them just like they're a piece of technology and everything will be fine. I can't believe that part of me was excited, was looking forward when I heard that Hal and Cash were going to meet the media or Hal was going to meet the uh, meet the media on Zoom or whatever the hell he was going to do. I can't believe there was a part of me that was excited to hear these two clowns talk because what they are doing, their chosen path here is so bad and so poor, so poorly thought out that they're going to be combative against the fan base. That isn't demanding World Series championships back to back to back. Obviously, it'd be nice. But is it too much to ask for a little confidence, a little bit of solid decision-making, and a little bit of decisions that work out? I think Cashman's had a pretty solid career. I mean, how could you deny that? But when you go ice cold, pal, it might just be time for you to get up from the table, okay? We're not saying you suck at your job. We're not saying you're a failure. But we're saying that you're ice cold, pal. It's time to let somebody else take the reins. And the fact that Hal won't make that move is just laughable. This guy, I think we all know the Yankees are a conglomerate, that there's a lot of other smaller businesses, there's a lot of other investments that Hal needs to fund with the Yankees. So the Yankees need to be a profit-making and a money-making machine. So he's not going to go spend $400 million on his payroll, which is fine. I guess that's fine. But you need to supplement that, and you need to have a solid analytical and baseball operation that's going to fill out the gaps with players that are much cheaper, and they're going to bring something to the table and without spending a gazillion dollars. And when that's not working, <clears throat> Cashman, you need to make a change. Is it too much to say or is it too far-fetched? I'm borrowing this from a buddy in a group chat. But is this not reminding you a little bit of like the Isaiah Thomas Knicks days? This, <laughs> this organization is a joke. We're becoming a joke, an over, a rich, overpaid joke. All right, I'm done. Thanks. Listen, the fact that you can even make that comparison and I can't dismiss you. Now, it's not nearly as embarrassing as the Isaiah, uh, James Dolan. Uh, Larry Brown, Anuka Brown, Sanders, New York Knicks. It's not to that extreme, but it's been a bad couple of years in Yankee land. Yankees' opinion of themselves is just way too high. It's just way too high. And right now, the perception is down on them, as it should be. You know how they change that? Get one, Sully. You want me back? You want the fans back? He's out there. He's available. Go get one, Sully. 
You get Juan Soto, I'm excited for the 2024 season. Simple as that. That's what it boils down to. Yankees need to give you a reason to be fired up and excited. I will get all the Football Friday stuff. We got Beningo, Ortiz, Cats. It's all coming up next. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 money line bet wins. And you need to get off the schneid here. We have been ice cold over the last couple of weeks. So, when in doubt, go with Patrick Mahomes as a small favorite. So, I'm going to take the Chiefs laying the two and a half against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm also going to take the suddenly resurgent Denver Broncos laying two and a half against the Minnesota Vikings. So, a couple of primetime games for you going into week 11. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use and there's so many different ways to bet. You got live same-game parlays. You find bets in the new Explore tab. Dive into the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash NYNY and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Now time for the week 11 edition of Old School, New School. And it is a runaway because I couldn't win a game last week. I have sucked for the better part of a month. And Joe Beningo continues to roll. He won a couple of games heads up. He's having yet another banner year. Joe, looks like it's going to be another runaway, buddy. Well, 30-19-1. I had Ooh. yet another yet another 4-1 and one week. It's really getting out of hand now. You know what I'm saying, bro? Out hey, of hand. Listen, whatever works, you know? Whatever know. pixie dust you're throwing on those picks, it's been magical. Now, and, I'll tell and, you. And, bro, and you know this, too. I love to lay the big number. The, the big the, number's the, been good to you. You know, I said that on my my gambling pod yesterday with the guys I do the show with. I said, Joe Beningo has been laying these big spreads all year. Yep, and I yep. would say you're hitting it like an 80 to 85% yes. clip yep. laying yep. double digits without no question. question. No question about it. Um, You know what did not hit in a big way? Me picking the Jets last week yeah. against Vegas. I'm still yeah. sick to my stomach about that game. Uh, not scoring touchdowns in the first yep. half, the penalties, the yep. Wilson back-breaking interception. Uh, what had you the most delirious? Now, thinking back on that Raider game, watching it, where were you watching it Sunday night in your compound? Where was the moment in the game you were the most upset? Well, let's start with this. This game, was this game. there was no way the league was not going to let the Raiders win this game. They did everything they could. No, I'm serious. Everything they could to try to ensure the Raiders win. Okay, let me say that first. With that said, to me, the biggest moment of the game, and this kind of went under the radar, was the Bryce Huff roughing the pass. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that because everyone mentions the Uzama hold and everybody's going to mention the Wilson interception. I said it on the pod Sunday night. I said it on Sports Night right after the game. That gave the Raiders three free points in a game in which they were doing nothing on offense, I thought and I felt that was a big difference going in a locker room up six as opposed to being up three. I totally agree. And his end, just think about this. If they don't get those three points at the end of the game, 
they're playing for the game-winning field goal, the Jets. That's that's the difference in the game. It's a one-point game. And they're not game. throwing in that particular that's spot. Exactly they're right. running, and that's they're trying right. to get Greg Zerline set up. Listen, yep. I know you're upset about the officiating, the uh, penalty, but, but when it comes to the penalties, though, take the officiating out of it. Who are you blaming the most? You got to blame Jets the coach. Going, see, I agree with you on that. And you I know, blame the listen, coach. As much as it, I like the guy, the guy, you got to blame him. You can't. Look, we saw it in the Charger game, too. They killed themselves with penalties in the Charger game. Same thing. You know, you can't continue to have this happen. You just can't. Let me say, can I say this, though? I am so bad. Why is it the officials in the National Football League basically have more control over who wins the games than the players, though? Why are they not held to the same standard that the players are? They should the have coaches? to meet the media at the end of these of games. Of course. I mean, you're not why wrong about Sean that. Hockley, you know, why do the coaches got to face the media, the quarterbacks? Well, well, these guys are like in the witness protection program. They get They can do whatever they want. They can call a penalty anytime they want. They have complete autonomy over everything, but you can't talk to them. You know, I can't get an interview with a freaking NFL official. Nobody can get an interview with the guy. Why not? What's the story with that? And how do I know that it's all on the up and up? These guys are human beings, bro. They're not robots. They're humans. I don't trust them at all. And I totally believe the league is saying, hey, I, you know, maybe not in these many words. Look, let's let's lean a little this way in this game. I'm telling you, Listen, keep that in mind. I saw my team on Sunday Night Football in the penalty disparity lose eleven to nothing. Yep, yep. So the I, I've been there. Right, I know. I know where you're coming from. At the same time, though, Joe, you got Aaron Rodgers maybe waiting in the wings. To me, the NFL would love nothing more for okay. a New York team in December to have Aaron. Could you imagine the ratings if Aaron Rodgers is playing Miami oh, not, or Christmas or right all these now, games? You know what? They'd be bro, going right nuts. Now, I understand that, but right now he's not there. So, you know, they want the Raiders to be good again. Let's be honest. They want, you know, they, they, you know, the whole setup there now with the Raiders, it's all this is perfect for the NFL. Shiny new stadium in Vegas. You know, the new head coach, you know, that. That Raider, you know, that, that, that attitude now. He fits you know. the Raider vibe, Pierce. There's no denying that. And I'm happy for Antonio Pierce, man. It just goes yeah. to show you what an ass Josh McDaniels was. Well, he was you know? He was Such an ass. He was um, And I fully expect you'll you'll beat them this week. I mean, they're not good. So, I mean, I, you know, let's be honest. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Before we get to the picks, I told you two weeks ago, you'd sign in stone for six and five after this yeah. four-game stretch. You lose both games to the Chargers and the Raiders. Now, to have any hope in the division, you have to win the next two games. Yes. To keep the playoff yep. hopes alive, you got to split. Do you read it the same way? If you're dreaming AFC yeah, East, you got to yeah, win yeah, yeah, both yeah, yeah. games. I, but I don't if you want to make the playoffs, yeah. you cannot lose. If they lose to Miami and Buffalo in back-to-back weeks, the season is over, Joe. Yeah, I it's mean, over. if they're 5-6 and six playing Atlanta and Washington, you know, they're still not, they're oh, the they're not out of it by any stretch. They're in a mix. You know, but they got to get one. You know, we'll see what happens this week. I don't know where Buffalo's at now. I think I think Buffalo's got some massive issues. I, I don't think Diggs and Allen are getting along. I think Diggs wants out of Buffalo. You know, they get rid of the offensive coordinator. Their defense played okay against Denver, but not, you know, I think they were overrating how good the defense was playing all night, Buck and Aikman. Um, 
you know, what can I tell you? I, I just think Buffalo's got a lot of problems right now. And and the Jets have played them well. I mean, the last two years, the Jets have done a good job, beat them twice. So And the defense we'll has played great against Josh Allen. They have yeah. played great. Now, yeah. listen, right now it's an ass whooping. After you're a great four and one and I go oh four and one, I'm twenty, twenty six and four. You were 30, 18, and 1. I think so it's 19. 19 30 and 9, you were correct. 30, 19, and 1. That gets you to an even 50. Uh, I give you the T-Box, by the way, a 95 today at Silver Lake. God bless you. Pars, hit the ball great. Good I know draw. you're itching to get back on the golf uh, course after all this TV like you've been doing. I feel like I haven't played in a year. Let me tell you. It's, you know, I've been no, two I believe weeks. it. I believe it. You not playing for two weeks is like an eternity. Yep. Uh, yep. For most people, but I will give yep. you the uh, the honors. Take it away for week eleven. Uh, we game one. I'm taking the Jaguars laying a seven at home against Tennessee. I love the Jaguars here. They're coming off that beatdown at the hands of the 49ers. The Titans stink. You know, Willie Evans came back to to the pack a little bit last week for sure. Um, you know, I, I just think the Jaguars. You know, they got whacked. They got they lost to a better team. The Niners. They caught the Niners at the exact wrong time. You wanted to play him. Niners, you know, after they had lost three in a row coming off the bye. San Francisco is finally healthy. I love the Jaguars here. Tennessee's not any good. Uh, I know it's a division game, but uh, give me Trevor Lawrence and company laying the seven at home against Tennessee. I like that bounce back spot. And Tennessee, all sorts of problems. They're just yep. not the same yep. team that they've been in years past. I like that pick. Uh, I'm taking a page out of your playbook. I haven't done it yet this year. I'm doing it now. I'm laying a war with the Dolphins in this game against the Vegas Raiders. The Vegas Raiders beat a team mm -hmm. that couldn't score a touchdown last week and should have <laughs> lost the game. They played Tommy DeVito, whoop de freaking do and the New York Giants. They now got to go on a plane, fly across the country, play an 80-degree Miami Heat in black uniforms against a team coming off a bye, a team that's ticked off after what happened in Germany against the Kansas City Chiefs, and a team that, for the most part, is pretty healthy going into this game. Now, I am a little concerned about maybe some sluggishness when you come off mm -hmm. a bye, and right, it's right. going to take Miami some time to maybe get it going. But the Carolina game is a perfect example. They got off to a bad start. They spotted Carolina a 14 nothing lead, and they still came back and won, and they still covered a 13-and-a-half and a 14-point yeah, yeah. spread. I expect the Dolphins to be ready to go in this game. I, I think they'll be firing all cylinders. Tua's got the new haircut. He's trying to be Drake. I, I don't like to look for him, but you know what? Do what you want. If you throw four touchdowns, I'm not complaining. <laughs> Joe, the big wood has been good to you. Yep. Let's hope it's good to me. It's the only game I'm doing this in, but I'm taking the Dolphins. Leading it off, playing 13 and a half. You know, I, I was thinking about taking that too for everything that you just said, um, but I, I laid off that game. I'm a, I'm a little... Because the only reason is because of what you said, coming off the bye, you know, I'm always a little concerned. Well, you could be sluggish. Listen, you could come right, out of the game, no you know, you're getting everybody right, back in right. rhythm, and you right. look up and it's, wow, it's tied at halftime. And, right. and that's the thing with these big spreads. You really got to run and hide. Because if you get a game where it's tied, huff, man. You know, you can't expect every team to just go and quit in the right. second half. So, need right. a fast start for Miami, but I'm laying the wood. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. I fully expect the Dolphins to win. All right. Uh, game two, speaking of the big wood, I'm taking the 49ers laying the 11 and a half at home against Tampa. Uh, the Niners are back. They're healthy. They just eviscerated the uh, Jaguars last week in Jacksonville. And uh, I think they're totally back on track now. You know, I, I don't buy. I know they won last week, Tampa. I, you know, I just can't buy the Bucks. I mean, you know, 
They're four and five. They're, the division is very, let's be honest, the NFC South is very weak. There's no question about it. You know, maybe they could win that division. It's so weak. I don't know. Now, they, I don't think they've played the Saints yet. I think the Bucs got to play them twice yet. I think so. But whatever. Give me the 11 and a half. This game could be 20, and I'd be laying the number with the Niners. I love them here. Give me San Francisco laying 11 and a half against Tampa at home. You know, the biggest mistake I made last week is I like San Francisco. I told oh, you. Yeah. Honorable yep. mention, and I said right. bet the game because I didn't include it with the picks. It was a guarantee to win. Sure enough, San Francisco won that game. It was never in doubt. And never. for my never. money, Joe, when they're healthy, they're the best team in the NFL. Yes, I would agree. I think they're I the best team. You. Completely agree. When they got it cooking, they yep. got Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, McCaffrey, yep. the whole deal, yep. they're really tough to beat. Speaking of the NFC West, this is where I'm going for game two. I like the Rams getting a point against the Seattle Seahawks. Wow. They get okay. Matthew Stafford back at quarterback. That's a big deal. They haven't had Stafford for a couple of weeks now. Mm -hmm. And if you look at Seattle, they've been playing with fire these last couple of weeks. They should have, could have lost to the Commanders. Yep. They've played some tight games. It's a division game. McVay has had success against Seattle. And I think this line with a 6-3 and three team and a 3-6 and six team is telling. The 6-3 yeah. and three team division is only game. a it is division, division game. game. But it's not three. It's not three and a right, half. It's right, only right. one. I think the Rams are going to have a moment here. I think it's going to be a big day for those wide receivers. And I, I just don't like Geno Smith on the road. He's not been as productive this year. Better against Washington last week. But I'm taking the Rams. I, I think they get it done. Only getting a point. They went outright. Give me L.A. in game two. Interesting. Well, uh, with the theme of the NFC West, I will uh, go here. I will. I love the Cardinals getting four and a half in Houston against the Texans. Kyler Murray's back. Big win for them. Came from behind last week to beat the Falcons. And the Falcons are not any good. But I'm just, you know, the, the way they came back, that crazy play where he ran 30 yards backwards and wound up getting the, the first down for about, you know, 13 yards or whatever it was that really set up the game-winning touchdown. And I just think, you know, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves with the Texans. I mean, everybody is anointing C.J. Stroud. MVP talk, um, you know, on and on. Look out for Houston, win the division. And I look, Stroud looks tremendous. I'm not saying he doesn't. Um, you know, D'Amico Ryan's right now is the coach of the year. There's no question about it. It's not even debatable at this point in time. But I don't love their defense. You know, their defense gave up 37, uh, you know, the week before. You know, yeah, give me a break. Uh, last week, you know, they were, let's be honest, if Boyd catches the ball in the end zone, who knows? Maybe Cincinnati winds up winning that game. I give Houston credit. I just think that they're starting to be a, maybe getting a little too full of themselves here. Four, I, I would like to have seen this number at more than four and a half, which is kind of telling right there that it's only four and a half. You know, it's kind of telling that, you know, maybe the bookies still don't completely buy Houston either against a team that's two and eight. Now, obviously, Murray's back. If this was, you know, Bernard Toon playing or whatever his name was. Uh, it would be a little different. I like the Cardinals, and I would not be stunned if they won this game outright. I'm taking Arizona plus four and a half at Houston. I love that pick. I'm not taking it, but I love your logic. I love your thought process because Houston is like the anointed team of the week. No they question. won at Cincinnati. No Everybody's feeling great, rightfully so, about C.J. Stroud. Yeah. This is also the same Houston team, though. 
that lost to the crummy Carolina yes, right. Panthers. Three weeks ago. Only you know a couple I mean? weeks ago. Nobody, right. nobody loses to the right. Carolina Panthers. Well, they're so the only think, one. <laughs> yeah, that one, like when I was going through it, I'm like, you know, six and right. a half, seven. Right. To see it, at what it is at, I think it's a perfect spot to go and sell high on the Houston Texans. And listen, Kyler Murray can easily keep the Arizona Cardinals in that game. So I like that pick for game three for you. Uh, I like your pick so far. I'm just throwing it out there. I like both of these games. Uh, what I'm doing in game three, I'm going with the team I picked against last week. I'm taking the Denver Broncos on Sunday Night Football, Joe, laying two and a half against Minnesota. And I roasted Sean Payton. I've been very down on what they were early in the year, giving up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins and whatnot. They've been a much better team the last few weeks. They have gotten it together, enforcing turnovers on defense, Simmons, Sertan, they're pressuring the quarterback. And I think Minnesota profiles is the popular Underdog. Everyone wants to bet Dobbs. Everybody wants to bet the Vikings. I still think the public perception is down on the Denver Broncos. And I got to give Russell Wilson credit. I thought he was making some magic on Monday night against the Mm -hmm. Buffalo Bills. You know, he's scrambling around. He's extending plays. I'm taking Denver. All they got to do is win this game by three in the mile high, in the altitude. Sunday night game, one of my favorite plays of the week. Denver, they keep the good vibes going. They stay in the AFC playoff conversation. Give me the Broncos laying two and a half. Well, we got a family play here because I'm with you on Denver. I completely love them. Uh, Look, Minnesota, they've won five games in a row. They're hot. They're due for a letdown game here. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I watched them last week. Uh, My son was here. We watched the Saints because he's a big Saint fan. We watched the game. Their defense, to me, is still nothing to get excited about. you know. And they almost blew a 27-3 lead or whatever it was in that game. Um, I love the Broncos too, man. I think Russell, I think they found, they're finding it now. Uh, Russell Wilson, like you said, man, he looked like Russell Wilson from, you know, five, six years ago. Like you said, extending plays, a couple of those underhand flips for big plays in the game. They're, they're, as I, as I pointed out to the coach of my team, their 35 year old quarterback, there's actually still designed runs for him and he's 35. So I pointed that out. Our quarterback's 23. But with that said, okay. I, I'm with you, bro. I like that. I think the Broncos are finding it, and uh, I'm totally with you. So, uh, family play. Give me the Broncos laying the two and a half, bro. All right, so we'll be rooting together for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. All right, I'm going yeah. to the game in a week here, Joe. Monday Night Football. I can't wait to watch mm-hmm. this game. Super Bowl rematch with the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. You know what I've learned? When you get a small number with Patrick Mahomes, just take it. Just take it because mm-hmm. history tells us when Patrick Mahomes is a small favorite, he wins and he covers. And I know there's going to be a narrative of, oh, it's a revenge game for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. It's a game they should have won in the Super Bowl. It's at Arrowhead Stadium. I think the chief defense is the best unit in the game. I can't believe I'm saying that. We're talking about mm-hmm. the Eagles and all their firepower yep. Yep. on offense. Right. Mahomes and what he brings to the table is the best quarterback in the sport. Kansas City's defense is playing lights out. So I'm going to go with the coach I trust more. I'm going to go with the unit I trust the most at this point in time. That's Steve Spagnuolo's defense. And I only need the Chiefs to win by a field goal. It's under three. It's two and a half. I want to pick this game. I I, I just feel obligated. I feel like it's a game we got to pick. So I'm going to pick it. Give me the Chiefs. Lane two and a half on Monday night. And never, never discount the Taylor Swift factor. And, you know, I'm sure if she's in the building, 
the league wants her. Well, I mean, listen, Travis Kelsey is going to go for 150 yards. I don't think she will be, though, because she's on her uh, international tour. tour. I'm not, again, I could be wrong on this. Uh, Flegelman, who is my good buddy and is like the uh, swift aficionado, he'll probably inform me after listening to the podcast where Taylor is. But I think she's on tour. I could be wrong about that. But anyway. Okay. Interesting. I'm looking forward to that game, too. Uh, last game, I'm taking my team getting seven. I think the number's too big. I just, I mean, I really do. I mean, I, these are two teams right now, both with a lot of issues. And the loser of this game is in major, major doo-doo. There's no doubt about it. We've, we've discussed the problems earlier that Buffalo's had. We obviously know the problems that the Jets have had. But the one constant that the Jets have had is that defense. And they've had success over the years with Josh Allen. They turned them over four times week one. You know, coming from behind to win that game. They beat them last year at home. Probably should have beat them in Buffalo, too, if not for a couple big mistakes. And Mike White, you know, getting hurt in that game. And the guy that hurt him, Matt Milano, was not around, which is a big factor as well. Uh, I think this this game's good. I would say, well, I don't know what the under is, but I bet it. This game, to me, is a field goal game one way or the other. I, I just think seven is a lot. Um, I still think that the, the uh, bookies are looking at Buffalo in the light that they looked at them before the year started, I think the window's closing on the Bills. Give me the Jets plus the seven in Buffalo. All right. Uh, I don't hate that pick at all. There's no way in the world I'm picking the Bills after picking them on Monday night. And your team has played them really tough the last two years. You know, I'm a little concerned that if you fall behind early, you're not going to be able to score. And that team might – it kind of reminds me of the Charger game where, like, Buffalo might turn it over. I still think they're getting a 20. The Jets have got to get, I think, in order to win this game, multiple turnovers, and they need to give the Jets a short field where they go in 15 yards no into question. the touchdown, score a touchdown that way. So that's kind of their avenue or to win. Or the defense scores. Or the defense Or they puts just it. go and take it in, whether it's a pick right. six, a strip right. sack, right. Whatever, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, I, I don't hate the Jet pick. I'm not picking the game. So uh, staying away from that one. I'm going against the team that has burned me so many times, Joe. And I'm just maybe salty, and I'm maybe ticked off, and maybe I'm betting. <laughs> I know just, where you're going here. I'm taking the Browns land a point uh, against wow. the Steelers. I'm so sick and tired of the Steelers. They're the luckiest six and three team in the league. Watson too. Now, no yes, Deshaun Watson is done for the year. Right. Uh, Torian Smith. I'm going to say this. By the way, name by the way, bro, that was 230 million well spent, huh? Oh, and people wanted my team to go and trade for Deshaun Watson. Right, right, that would have right. been malpractice if they would have right. gone and traded to a, and gave <laughs> yep. Deshaun Watson that yep. money and gave up the picks. That would have been a dis- disaster of epic Absolutely. proportions. So yep. I'm thankful my team did not make that move on, on a lot of different levels. And you wonder if they just get bad karma, Cleveland, by you know bringing a guy into the team with all of the trouble that he brought. But it's six and three, so the karma can't be that bad. Well, I guess. But, you know, <laughs> they've, had, they've had catastrophic injuries. Chubb, they have. Watson. Chubb, right, 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 right. But right, I think right. it's one of those games where the defense is going to say, hey, guess what? People think we're dead. People think we're finished. People think we can't beat the Steelers. The Steelers have been outgained, Joe. Amazing. Every single game this year. And yet we are sitting here and they are six and three. So I feel like there's a reckoning coming. I don't know when that reckoning might be. Maybe I'm going to have egg on my face again, but I'm going to take the Browns. All they got to do is win the game. I think this game is gross. I think this game is ugly, but I'm going to take the better defense and I'm going to take the team at home. Browns in a hold your nose special against the Steelers to wrap it up. Well, I'll tell you, you know, you talk about Pittsburgh. I, I think the big difference right now is that, to me, the best the best coach in the league now is Mike Tomlin. I mean, uh, Belichick has 
Not Andy Reid. I thought you were going to say Andy Reid. Well, uh, you know what, though? Andy Reid's got Patrick Mahomes, okay? I mean, let's he be does. honest about that. He does. Okay? You know, he's got Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, I understand he's great and he's a Hall of Fame coach and all of that. But he does have Mahomes. This guy's got Kenny Pickett as his freaking quarterback, and he's sitting there at 6-3. and three. I think Tomlin's the best coach in the league, and I think the job he's done is is just outrageous. You know what I mean? Uh, that they, like that you're saying that they're six and three. So uh, kudos to him. But uh, look, I think the Browns are good. I mean, their defense is one of the best in football. So. Oh, it's it's That's probably the, I think it's the best defense yeah, it could in be. football, could in my be. opinion. I think it's could the be. best. But um, we're going with Cleveland. So to recap, Joe's got Jacksonville. San Francisco, Arizona, Denver, and his beloved New York Jets. I'm holding my nose with the Browns. I'm taking Mahomes and Andy Reid on Monday night. I'm taking Denver on Sunday night. The Rams plus a point, and I'm following your model. Dolphins yep. laying the wood. Yep. Laying the big wood, man. You got, you got to look what the numbers have been. I bet not just with, with me picking them, but I bet you if you, you go back and research, you know, every game that's been plus 10, 10 or more, and I bet you it's 75% easily. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Joe, Easy. enjoy. We'll be watching on yep. picks the next two nights. Yep. Um, and then next week, I will chat with you on Tuesday because we will not be doing a show oh, that's on right. Thanksgiving. By the way, by the way, what are the Thanksgiving day? I know the Niners and the Seahawks at night. What are the Lions and the Cowboys? Not great. Game? Lions, Packers at 1230. Hmm. The Commanders and the Cowboys hmm. at 4. Hmm. Not great. Not great. Not great. No. Not great. The Christmas games are worse, though. You know what the Christmas Day games no, are? No, what are they? Giants, Eagles, Wolf, Oof. Raiders, Chiefs. Mm. Eh. Eh, where is it? In Arrowhead. Okay. And then the night game is phenomenal. San Francisco and Baltimore. Oh, that's a good That's one. a great game. Yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. great game. Yeah. And then there's a Christmas Eve game. Listen to this one. Denver, New England. At wow. least Denver has gotten back in it where maybe no, that Denver's, game matters yeah, to them, No, no, you know? no, no. The Patriots are, uh, forget it, man. What a disaster. That well, is. we're going to be in a position where we're going to want the Patriots to win a game or two because we don't want to pick a one or two. Yeah, no, I know. I don't so. know. I don't think Bill's going to be there at all. I don't think he's there. I think it's over for him there. I really do after the year. But we agree he'll be coaching. Somewhere. Somewhere. Um, yeah. Washington, yeah. the Chargers, whatever. Somewhere. Well, Joe. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, we'll chat on Tuesday. Uh, we'll see if we're talking about the Jets and Dolphins going into this Black Friday game with some momentum. Yes, we which shall I see. will see you. At, I'll see you there. And I you will be, we'll there. be there. The sunglasses will be on. Hopefully, we'll get a nice sunny there. day. Oh, I know. Hopefully, every, all the Jet fans will be nice to me. I'm going to be on good yeah. behavior, so be nice. Yeah. Why would they not be nice? They should be. Just hang out with me. I'll straighten them all out. Don't worry. Right, that's you're what my, I'm talking about. Even though I you're like a Dolphin it. fan, you know you're my boy. So oh, of course. You know well, Joey, I'll talk all to right, you Tuesday. Bro. Later, bro. We go from Beningo to Arthur Caesar. Arthur Superbook, Westgate extraordinaire, helping us get ready for week 11 from a Vegas perspective. Dice, man, we've been ice cold these last couple weeks, man. We got to get it going here. Let's go. Dude, we have to. It's been rough. I mean, listen. Still seven, eight weeks to go. We got some time, but we got to pick it up, my friend. And I wish I could have included Baltimore as one of my contest plays this week. That was a game I absolutely adored. The line went from two and a half to three and a half. I thought Cincinnati was the square dog of the week. But the bigger picture storyline, I know you guys probably cleaned up on the game. I know everybody bets Cincinnati, so I'm sure that was a good night for you. But a lot of these futures that have Cincinnati win the AFC, 
Cincinnati going to win a Super Bowl. I mean, they're in serious limbo now. With that team 5-5, five and five, with Burrow's injury, we have no idea how much time he's going to miss. I'm going to assume you guys had a lot of liability with those numbers with Cincinnati. Is that correct? Okay. Um, yeah, listen, uh, Bengals futures, a lot of action on the Bengals this year. Obviously, them winning the division, them winning the conference, the Super Bowl, Joe, Joe Burrow winning MVP, ton of stuff on them. So obviously, the Bengals looking to get knocked out here probably going to be a really good thing for us and you know you never want to root for injuries you want all the big guys to play but obviously burrow getting knocked out really is going to hamstring what cincinnati can do okay so we're halfway through this year we kind of have a sense we kind of have a feel for the big boys right kansas city goes without saying they have Mahomes at quarterback san francisco philadelphia were in the championship game last year in the nfc they look like teams that are going to be back let's take baltimore out of this all right, if I take out the four top favorites, KC, San Fran, Philly, and Baltimore, who would you put a wager on to go and win the Super Bowl? Is there anybody you like? It's got to be Detroit. I mean, they're clearly, to me, the next team. I-, I think that team plays with more confidence than maybe anyone in the league. Their coach has... Yeah, I mean, he showed it last week against the Chargers. He'll go for it on all the fourth downs. I think the quarterback's good enough. He's not as good as obviously some of these other guys, maybe, you know, the Mahomes of the world and maybe even Jalen Hurts of the world. But I think they're good enough to get there. Now, they might have to win on the road in San Francisco and Philly to get to a Super Bowl and then maybe beat the Chiefs. So that's kind of a tall task, but you never know. Okay. Now, as we look ahead to week 11, um, the public has been cleaning up in these games. Now, we didn't see that with the raven Bengal game. When do we get the sense, Art, that tie that has been really building steam these last few weeks, when does the public stop winning in these NFL games? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, too. And even for these last couple of weeks where the public has technically won, we haven't even gotten slaughtered. We really haven't. It hasn't been one of those enormous, like, oh, we took a bath this week and now we're kind of running, you know, a bad November. We've had losing weeks, but nothing horrible. I think eventually the tide will turn. We always talk about it kind of middle of the season, October. There's like a three or four week window where the public starts to win. Obviously, that's kind of trickled a little bit into November now, but eventually the tide will turn and the books will start doing what they do. Okay. This Jet Bill game is fascinating to me. I did not include it as a pick. Joe did include it as a pick, which we will get to. And Joe has been red hot. And he's kicking my ass right now in old school and new school. There's no getting around that. Seven-point line. With the way the Jet defense has played against Buffalo. Or do you surprise the line with Buffalo struggles is still at seven? Or is that just factoring in, hey, the Jet defense may be great. How are they scoring points in Western New York? That's what I think it is, JJ. It's how do the Jets get to 14 points? You know, if they get to 14 or 17, you probably feel good if you're getting seven points. I like what Joe did there. Obviously, we'll get to the picks, but I like Joe taking the seven. You know, if it was six, six and a half, you probably could convince me to stay off the game or maybe even try to lay it with Buffalo. But I think seven in in a divisional game, despite them being on the road, is probably the right side because how can you trust Buffalo right now? All right, I'm going to start with Joe's picks. So the Jets are one of them. Here are the other four. Denver, 
He's got Arizona plus the points against the Houston Texans. I'm sure a very trendy Houston team this week. San Francisco and Jacksonville. Joe is 30-19-1 on the year, so he's been tremendous. How do we feel about those picks, guys, man? He has been really good. Obviously, we'll touch on the Jets for a second. I like the Jets. you got to give Joe the check mark there. It's seven. I feel good about the seven. San Francisco, and there's about four or five basically double-digit spreads this week. San Francisco's probably the right side. San Francisco came off the bye last week, went into Jacksonville, did what they had to do. They're getting healthier again. Tampa's been feisty. They've played okay this year. You know, obviously Baker to Evans has been pretty good, but I would lay with San Francisco. You don't mind laying the 11 and a half. You're right. Arizona is more of the sharp side, whereas Houston is more of the square kind of public side feeling, oh, Stroud's the guy now. We can lay it. But I don't know, man. Kyler Murray looked pretty good last week. So, you know, get four and a half, five points. I like Arizona there. Give him the check mark on that. Denver is one I'm not with. I understand taking them at home under the field goal, two and a half, but I don't know. There's something about Dobbs and that Viking team. I think the Viking coach is a little underrated. He's done a tremendous job dealing with the injuries, dealing, losing with Jefferson. Obviously, they make the good trade. So I think I would roll the dice with Minnesota, and I see what he's doing with Jacksonville. Obviously, sharp action came in on Jacksonville at six and a half, moved it to seven. It's seven in the contest. Titans are just in a different kind of zone right now. They've obviously gone to Levis. They're kind of in a, we're not going to win, but we'll see what happens for the rest of the season. And Jacksonville at home, again, coming off the big loss, you would think that they would have a better performance this week. I like four out of five of Joe's picks. Wow. So I'm not going to be getting a blessing because one of my five picks is Denver. That's for sure. Here are the other four, Art. I like Cleveland this week. I know they don't have the quarterback. But I'm going with Cleveland. I think they're the best defensive unit maybe in the NFL. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's luck is about to run out. I keep picking against them, and I keep losing. And I feel like I'm stubborn now, and I'm just going to keep doing it. So I'm on Cleveland. I'm on Denver. I got the Rams against Seattle. I think the line tells you all you need to know. Stafford is back. The Rams have had success against Seattle. So I'm going to take the Rams and McVay. Then the other two, I got my team against the Raiders. I think it's a great spot for my team. I'm laying wood, which is something I've not done much this year, but I think it's a good spot to do so with Miami in their home building. And then I got Kansas City, Mahomes winning the Super Bowl rematch against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. So Miami, the Rams, KC, Cleveland, and Denver. I know I'm 0 for 1. How do we feel about the rest? You're right. I do not like Denver. I also don't like Cleveland, JJ. I understand you're taking a great defense. But DTR to me is kind of in a Tommy DeVito. He might not be as bad as Tommy DeVito, but he's kind of in that range where he just doesn't seem like he's ready to be an NFL quarterback. I think Pittsburgh will come out and play tough. That game feels like 10-7, 13-10, something like that. You're not getting points in the game. You'd feel better if you were getting the points that you were getting earlier in the week with Pittsburgh, but obviously the quarterback change moved it to basically pick or minus one. Not a fan of the Cleveland pick. The other three I like, though. I like the Rams getting the one. You're right. They usually play Seattle well. They beat Seattle earlier in the year. I believe that was week one. So they always play Seattle tough. Kansas City, obviously, that's going to be the game of the week, the Monday night game, Super Bowl rematch. Under three, you're laying the two and a half. I think that's a good spot for the Chiefs. And you're right. The Raiders do not have the Jets or Giants this week. They have Miami. They have Miami getting people back. They have Miami off a bye. That feels like 17, 21 points, that type of win 
four-year team. It will be a comeback down to earth performance for the Raiders. Miami definitely blows them out. So I still like three out of your five, but I got to give Joe the blessing this week because I like four out of his five. All right. Now we got to get you going. Uh, I've been ice cold. Your tease, which was a cash cow a season ago. We have not been a cash cow so far. So we got to turn that around, Dart. It starts the weekend before Thanksgiving. There are a couple of good teaser legs. I'm curious to see where you're going with this. What do we got? Yeah, we do. One of them is going to be your pick. I like the Rams. I get the Rams to seven. It would have been a lot better if it was seven and a half, but it's seven, so I'll take it. And listen, there are eight and a halfs out there with Washington, so I got to take it under the three. The Giants are not a competitive football team right now. Tommy DeVito is not a real quarterback. He's one read and then he runs. Obviously, Washington lost to the Giants a couple of weeks ago, so the two-team six-point T is going to be Rams plus seven, Washington minus two and a half. I like the sound of that. Sign me up right now. Washington wins the game by field goal. Rams keep it close, which is something I expect. I'll be riding your teams this week. And are we in agreement? The rat line of the week is the Houston-Arizona game? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the Seattle one is too, and I think we're on the right side of liking the side that most people probably won't be on. I think a lot of the public will look at Seattle and go, well, that's a better team. I understand Stafford's back, but I'm laying a short minus one, minus one and a half dog or road price with what I think is the better team. So I think the public, not that the Sharps have lined up on the Rams yet, but I think the public will definitely line up on Seattle. So it's usually good to be against the public, maybe not the last couple of weeks, but over time, it usually does work out. All right, Dice Ben, we will chat on Tuesday because we have the Thanksgiving holiday next week. So we'll get everybody set for Thursday for Friday, for the college on Saturday. I mean, we've got a lot to talk about on Tuesday. So buckle up. I'll talk to you in a few days uh, and enjoy the weekend, all right? JJ, enjoy the weekend. Let's get back on the winning track. And obviously, yeah, we're going to be a little bit earlier next week on a Tuesday, but it'll be good. We'll get to break down those good Thursday uh, Thanksgiving games. That's the move. All right, Dice, man. We'll chat. See you, buddy. All right, bro. We go from Art Dice to Jason Katz over at the Pro Football Network with your fantasy stuff. That's next. We wrap up this football Friday like we do each and every week. It's week 11 with Jason Katz getting you ready for all your fantasy matchups. He's over at the Pro Football Network. Jason, welcome in. Uh, I'm still drooling over that CJ Stroud performance from last week. Can, can you believe he's doing this with this group of playmakers, Jason? Like, you probably have him top, top 10. He's a QB1, right, for all you fantasy guys out there? Yeah, and our rest of season rankings, which we update every week at Pro Football Network, he is firmly inside the top 12 at this point. It's it's a welcome sight, given the state of quarterback play in the NFL. I actually heard you mention this earlier on your, on your last pod that's listened to this morning, which is the state of the quarterback play in the NFL in general is just as bad as we can remember. And, it, of course, injuries play a huge role in that. We don't have Aaron Rodgers. We don't have Kirk Cousins. We had Tom Brady retire. We lost a lot of guys that were stalwarts at the QB position. It is nice to see someone like C.J. Stroud come up and give us that nice injection of youth. He looks like a, a top-end starter for the next decade plus. And the Houston Texans in the mix, alive and well. Interesting game all of a sudden against the Arizona Cardinals this Sunday. Um, Here's my next one for you. We're at the point of the year where it's like nitty-gritty time. So injuries are obviously a big factor. You, you need to win maybe to get into the playoffs or get that buy set up. So... If you make a big waiver wire move and you hit on it, it could be the difference in winning and getting a buy or 
making the playoffs. So is there anybody out there, Jason? Obviously, listen, the big guys, if they're out there, then your league is just a bunch of fools. But the guy who might be under the radar that could potentially make a difference for your fantasy team over the next few weeks. Do you have somebody in mind? There's not anyone that is clearly going to like possibly make that impact. But what you want to do is you want to stack your bench, especially if you're somebody who is likely to make the playoffs with upside running back handcuffs. And it kind of doesn't change from where it was earlier in the year. If you need to pick up a guy at the wide receiver position to start, I mean, guys pop up every week. Look at just last week when T. Higgins was out. You pick up Trent Irwin, you get yourself 34 yards and a touchdown or something like that. Like it, it, It's there if you need it. But at running back, what if you picked up Ty Chandler before last week? And I see, I actually screwed up on that. I should have done that in more leagues. I left him out there. And instead, I had to go drop almost all of my remaining fat budget on him to get him in one league. If you did that ahead of time, then when everyone's scrambling, looking for that guy to pick up, well, he's already on your team. And there are a few guys out there in more than half of Yahoo leagues that you can do that with right now. You look at guys like Kenneth Gainwell, 26% roster. He is one DeAndre Swift injury away from being a fantasy relevant guy. Maybe you want to stash someone like Rico Dowdle. Heard a lot of good things about him. They've been talking him up. He's been more efficient than Tony Pollard. He's kind of like Tony Pollard, and Pollard's become Zeke. That was only rostered in 14% of leagues. And if you're in maybe a shallower league, and there's some guys out there that probably shouldn't still be there, but they kind of are, Ty J. Spears out there, or sorry, rostered in only 39% of leagues. Again, one Derrick Henry injury away. Even Ezekiel Elliott, he looked good against the, against the Colts, the best he's looked uh, in about two years. If Ramondre Stevenson goes down, he can be an RB2. And there are other guys out there, Zach Charbonnet, Ty Chandler, even Antonio Gibson in some leagues. These are guys that you need to be putting on your benches now just in case something breaks right in your favor. Keep an eye on those running backs, long story short. Okay, Jason, let's get to quarterbacks. Uh, If you sat Trevor Lawrence last week, you were very thankful. You sat Trevor Lawrence last week because he was as bad as can be against the San Francisco 49ers. He might be in a good buy-low spot, though, against the Tennessee Titans this week. So, where are we going? Matchup of the week for quarterback and who are we looking to avoid in week 11? I got to stay hot after the Stroud call two weeks ago and Geno Smith last week. It's back-to-back QB1 performances. See if we can do it again with Brock Purdy. Uh, it, it should come as no surprise that they came out firing out of the bye week. Put a quick end to that three-game losing streak. After three straight games with only one touchdown pass, Purdy bounced back to throw three with 296 yards passing. And he did this despite having no need to throw all game. Because the Jaguars, I guess they didn't realize the bye week ended. That was a non-competitive contest, and yet Purdy still threw for almost 300 yards, and he threw for three touchdowns. His rest-of-season schedule is fantastic, and it starts with the Bucks defense allowing 19.5 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. That is the fourth most in the league. With quarterbacks scoring down across the board, Purdy at 18.5 points per game is good for the QB 12 on the season. He has been a QB 1, and he's a strong QB 1 this week against a pass funnel defense. Now, for the sit, this is a, a little controversial because it's not a clear sit, but it's a uh, it's a maybe you can actually consider sitting this guy, and it's Josh Allen. I know you're asking yourself, can wow. you really sit Josh Allen? Wow, uh, yeah. that's, a, that's a biggie, Jason. Taking Josh Allen, who's usually given for 20-plus fantasy points, and putting him on a bench. Wow, okay. It, it's hard to do, but he's coming off his second-worst game of the season. They just fired the OC, and back in week one, Josh Allen was completely stymied by the Jets. He threw for 236 yards and one touchdown, just 12.04 fantasy points. The Jets are only allowing 
14.4 points for the quarterbacks. That is the eighth fewest in the league. And more problematic is that the Jets completely erase wide receivers. They are the number one scoring defense in fantasy against wide receivers, allowing just 8.3 points per game out wide. That is where Stefan Diggs primarily resides, and the Bills don't really have anyone who can step up outside of Diggs. Allen remains an elite QB1 on the season. You're obviously not getting rid of him or anything like that. But it is it is clear that the Jets are capable of, stuffing, of shutting down elite quarterbacks. They completely erased Justin Herbert just two weeks ago. I'm not saying you can sit Josh Allen. But I'm saying that if you got someone strong by, like if you have Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray behind him, I might seriously think about it. Fair enough. And I think that's fair logic. And the results do not lie. Josh Allen has had his issues with the Jets each of the last two years. All right, Jason, let's get to running back. All right, we're starting Jerome Ford against the Steelers here. Uh, Playing the Packers anemic offense last week certainly helped the Steelers' defensive numbers against running backs. But this remains a run-funnel defense. They're still allowing the 12th most points per game to running backs. And Jerome Ford is coming off a 17-carry, 107-yard effort against the Ravens. It is very clear that the Browns want Ford to be the lead back and Kareem Hunt to just be a backup. As soon as Ford got healthy, they put Ford right back into that lead role. Browns are at home, and I know that obviously things have changed with Deshaun Watson being out and certainly lowers Ford's touchdown upside. But I think that increases the volume he's going to see as they implement a more run-heavy game plan, do their best to hide their rookie quarterback. The Steelers' offense is not good enough to force the Browns into any sort of massive negative game script and make them have to abandon the run. So even if Ford's touchdown upside is lower now, we're look, we could be looking at 25 touches this week. you got to get him in lineups. Now for our sit, that's someone that I started last week with confidence, and that's Deontay Foreman. Uh, circumstances have changed. Last week was a great matchup against the Panthers, but now he has a much more difficult matchup against the Lions that are allowing just 3.6 yards per carry to running backs, 16.4 points per game to the position, fifth fewest in the league. And of greater concern is Khalil Herbert's imminent return. Now, he's, at this point, we don't know if he's coming back. They have until Saturday at 4 o'clock to activate him. If they do activate him, we probably won't hear about it until Saturday. Uh, but if, but I'm expecting them to activate Herbert because he got in three full practices, I think, uh, last week, or maybe it was two, one limited and two full. He's practicing again this week. It, it feels like they kind of just held him out because it was a Thursday night game, and now that he's back in the swing of things, he's going to be active. I don't know what the split is going to be, but if Foreman's not seeing the volume that he's been seeing, I don't think that the efficiency will be there. I don't like him to score a touchdown this week, which is what he's going to need to be fantasy viable, so I'm sitting Deontay Foreman this week. All right, Jason, last but not least, wide receiver. Take it away, sir. Uh, we're going to Monday night, and we're starting Rasheed Rice against the Eagles. When we last saw the Chiefs, Rice was coming off a season-high 68% snap share. Uh, the Chiefs are still rotating the wide receivers at a very frustrating rate, but there's no denying Rice has been the most productive one on the team. The theory behind starting Rice this week, twofold. First, Chiefs coming off a bye. And this is the time when you typically can see rookie receivers really start to come into their own and start that kind of second-half surge. It's a great time to adjust that offense to feature Rice more because he should be their wide receiver ones, especially given the lack of wide receiver talent behind him. And second, the Eagles are the biggest pass ball defense in the NFL. I know you use that term a lot, but it's kind of what dictates these matchups. No team allows more fantasy points per game to wide receivers. And specifically, they allow the most fantasy points per game to the slot, which is where Rice runs 50% of his routes. And a whopping 72% of the Eagles' total receiving yards allowed have gone to wide receivers. This is a great spot for Rice in what could be a high-scoring game in a Super Bowl rematch. He's a strong wide receiver three this week. Now for our sit, guy I like a lot, Jordan Addison. Not the first time he's appeared in the sitcom, might not be the last as well as Josh Dobbs has played. He is not Kirk Cousins, and I don't think he can support two fantasy relevant receivers. Now, I do think Justin Jefferson is going to be held out another week, 
but it's not really as if Jordan Addison has been lighting the world on fire since Cousins went down. He was averaging 15.8 points for him Cousins, and there's two games with Adam, just 10.5. And we just saw this Broncos defense really shut down Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen last week. They allowed the 16th fewest fantasy points to, to receivers while they struggle on the ground. I think we're going to see a run-heavy game plan from the Vikings this week. And Addison, he's not going to completely flop. If the 550 line is good enough for you, that's probably what you're going to get. The ceiling games, they're just not going to be there that often. I don't think it's going to be there this week. Jason, final thought on Addison. If your trade deadline hasn't happened yet in your league, is that a guy you're looking to unload, assuming it's not a dynasty because of the fact that Jefferson's coming back? Would you think about that? It seems counterintuitive to want to trade away an ascending rookie receiver who is clearly good at football and is clearly getting better at football. But yeah, I think we've seen the best from Addison already through no fault of his own. If Cousins was out there, I'd say absolutely not. He could support both of them. But I, I still wonder if he's going to be uh, relegated to three receiver sets when Jefferson comes back. That was what he was doing before. I kind of think now he's he has to have taken that job from Osborne for sure, which raises his floor a little bit. But the Vikings schedule down the stretch isn't great. His bye week is still in front of him also, which plays a factor here because you're losing that week 13 game from Addison. So if you can trade him for somebody more reliable, like maybe you can get like a Chris Godwin type or a Tyler Lockett, that's something I'd look into doing. Jason Katz, Pro Football Network. Uh, anybody who wants to get fantasy advice from you, they know where to find you on Twitter. Let's see if I get it right. Jason Katz 13. Ain't that accurate? You've got it right. You can also follow us at PFN Fantasy. And always, all my work is on ProFootballNetwork.com. Buddy, we'll chat on Tuesday with the Thanksgiving holiday on Thursday. So that way everybody's set. So a couple extra days. Uh, I know you'll be a pro. I know you'll be ready to go. So we'll talk Tuesday. All right, buddy? Look forward to it as always. That's Jason Katz with all your fantasy stuff. Before we say goodbye, Jeff Money. I know I'm going to see you Sunday at Catch. Hopefully we have some games we're rooting for together. What do we got? What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper pick for week number 11. So last week I wound up going 2-2-1. Two, two and one. I'm 25-24-1 and one on the year. Money play I lost, I'm 5-5 five and five on the year. You also lost your money play, you're also at 5-5 five and five on the year. Heads up, um, head-to-head, I was 1-0 and oh against you for the week. I'm 6-4 and four against you on the year. And family plays, we were 0-1-1 oh, one one when we match up on our Super Contest plays. And we are 4-6-1 and one on the year. Okay, here are my five plays. Play number one, my money play. I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars, minus the seven over the Tennessee Titans. Game number two, I'm going to take the Detroit Lions, minus the eight over the Chicago Bears. Game number three, I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings, plus the two and a half over the Denver Broncos. Game number four, I'm going to take the New York Jets, plus the seven over the Buffalo Bills. And game number five on Monday night, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs, minus the two and a half over the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, my five plays, my money plays, I'm going to go with the Jaguars, minus the seven, the Lions, minus the eight. The Vikings plus the two and a half, the Jets plus the seven, and on Monday night, the Chiefs minus the two and a half. And I'll be looking forward for Sunday of the action and watching it with you at Catch. Should be a lot of fun. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. I like that we have a family play with the Kansas City Chiefs. We will not have a family play for Sunday night football. So it's a good thing our live show at Catch will be wrapped up right before Sunday night gets going, so that way I can go home and root for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Oh, what joy that's going to be. I hope to see all of you Sunday. We're watching all the games and catch. 1 o'clock window, 4 o'clock window, Jets-Bills. Then we will do our show from catch in a story. It's going to be a rocking time. All the games, 
food, drink, hooting and hollering, special guests. I'm going to be coming for my sister's wedding on Saturday and a Ring of Wise Guys show, so I'm going to be all over the place. But what else is new? That's part of the course. Hopefully, we'll see you Sunday. Good job by Stefan. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the weekend. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or... Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 109 within Indiana, 105 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 100gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.